If you want a title for this morning, it's What have you got in your hand? Maybe I just need to be a bit careful here. We once had a young, a young man in our church, um, a very important man from Africa, and he had his suit and his tie, and he was immaculately dressed. And my daughter at the time was about three years old, and she went up to him and said, Here, here, and she had something in her hand. And being a very gracious man, he put out his hand and said, What have you got? And she put a bogey in his hand. I'm not talking about that type of what have you got in your hand. It comes back to what Jesus said to Moses when Moses said, I'm not good enough. God says, what have you got in your hand? He says, I've got a stick. God said, that'll do. And he used that stick to honour his name. So we know from other gospel passages that this food came from a little boy. And I love this passage because I imagine Jesus laughing. Let me explain. They've wandered, they've got this place late at night, and they say, Jesus, what are we going to do to feed them? Jesus says, you feed them. Why? Because he knew they had a picnic. That they had snuck off and eaten and come back. So he says, will you feed them? They said, well, we haven't got anything. All we've got is just five loaves and two fishes. And then Jesus said, I'll show you. And he feeds 5,000 people. And just to prove a point, at the end, they filled 12 baskets. How many disciples were there? 12. How many people do you know of who go out for the day and carry an empty basket? No. The twelve disciples had eaten their lunch and now they were in trouble. And Jesus laughed at them and then fed the five thousand. And people often say the miracles were at the time of Jesus but not for now. In Brazil a few years ago a large church decided to feed the children who work on the rubbish tips in Brazil. And they prepared a hundred hot dinners and they drove down to the rubbish tips to feed the children. And they found they had nowhere near enough. But they kept giving out the food. And they estimated over 300 children ate and were full. That wasn't in Jesus' time, that was a few years ago. And it's good to know and to remember we have a Father in Heaven who is concerned for our comfort. He made clothes for Adam and Eve. Because they didn't have a clue, they tried sewing leaves together. And God said, I'll make you clothes. At the time of Elijah, when there was a famine in the land, he sent ravens to bring bread and meat morning and evening to feed Elijah. I read a story a few years ago of a man in Russia, when he became a Christian, he lost his job, he lost his home, and he ended up living in a shack at the back of an alleyway. And at night he could hear the rats scavenging. And for a few nights he chased the rats away and on the third or fourth night he looked down and there was a pile of food. And every night the rats would bring him food. God finds amazing ways to look after us if we trust him. And often that's the problem is we don't trust God and then we worry and try and work everything out for ourselves. 
What are we going to do? They're hungry. Don't worry. God's in control. And one of the things I, 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 I used to love is when you're driving on a long journey and you look up the back seat and there are your children asleep. They're relaxed, they're comfortable, they've been fed, they're, and they're just relaxing. And it, I used to find that a sense of pride. They could trust Daddy to meet their needs. And we have to learn that with Father God, we have to say, can I trust him? When it gets tough, can I trust him? To meet the needs. You know, when you, when you used to have to take your children to have an injection, and you go into the, the uh, surgery, I don't believe you should lie to children, they say, will this hurt? I say, yes. <laughs> but it's for your good. And because they trust you, they would sit on your lap and say, okay, I'm ready, I'll do it. And they would take it. And we have to sometimes say, this might be a difficult moment, but we're going to trust God, we're going to trust Daddy, and we'll get through that moment. To trust me. So here's Jesus teaching and healing, Tesco Express is closed. What is the solution? Well, let's send the people away. I have to say, personal view, I hate the fact churches have been closed during the pandemic. I hate it. I believe at the time of crisis, every church should be open, and, and no matter what happens, at the time of the Black Plague in England, every church was open. Every other pandemic, churches should be open. And when people are in crisis, they should be able to come to a place and find God. Calm down, Peter. <laughs> but churches should be open so people can come and find comfort and solace and relief and healing and the presence of God. We should never send people away. Churches should always be the place of renewal and refreshment. We should be full, so when people come to our church, we have something to give them. Jesus, send them away. No, you feed them. I wonder if we were to apply that message to our churches, where so often when there's a problem, we say, let's send people away, and Jesus would say, no, you feed them. You heal them. You deliver them. So, but Lord, wouldn't it be better to send them up? No, he said. You can do all things through me. A bit harsh, Peter. Move on quickly. Alright. So do we have a solution in God? When the crisis comes, it's out of what we're used to. Are we ready for what God is going to do? So we have a little boy with a picnic and from it everybody gets fed. It was not Master Chef. He didn't produce oodles of food and peppers and salt. It was a little boy with his, his pilchard sandwiches. And you can imagine Jesus saying, to the, get the people all sat down, and they're all sitting down in a group of 50, and then Jesus says, now we're going to feed you with this little bit of bread and these two pilchards. And you can imagine the people at the front thinking, that's ridiculous. And you can imagine the people way over the back saying, well, we're not going to get anything. And if we should have a crumb. And as Jesus begins to break the bread, and as he begins to break the fish, you can imagine the people nearest him saying, well, we'll, we'll be all right. And you can imagine the people halfway back saying, I wonder if that be enough for us. And by the end of it, there's a party. Because there's so much food, everybody's got enough. There's 12 basketfuls left over. 
And you can almost imagine them throwing food to each other. Isn't this fantastic? There's so much food. Just because a little boy, what have you got in your hand? What have you got? I've got a bit of bread and a fish. And God says, that's all you need. Because my experience with God is when God provides, it's always more than enough. He always covers everything. So the first question I want to ask this morning is, what have you got in your hand? Moses, what have you got? I've got a stick. Throw it down, see what happens. It becomes a snake. That's powerful, isn't it? Do you know the greatest miracle is Moses picking the snake up again? I'm very sorry. If I throw a stick down and it becomes a snake, it and me stay at a safe distance. One of the things I fear most about going to Australia is 14 of the 15 deadliest snakes on earth are in Australia. Yeah. Moses, throw that stick down and see what happens. It's a snake. And then God says, pick it up again. And Moses goes, no thanks. I didn't like that stick anyway. What have you got in your hands? See, God does not need us to be superstars. He doesn't need you to be the next Billy Graham. He doesn't need you to be the next wonder preacher, the television preacher. He doesn't need you to be the next superstar. What God wants is you to be the you he made you to be. I can't speak to your neighbours, but you can make them a cup of tea. I can't help your next door neighbour when the new people move in, but you can be the one who takes down a cup of tea for each of them and say, how can I help? And he said, but I'm not a great preacher. You don't have to be. What have you got? I can make tea. Good enough. What have you got? I can scrub floors. Good enough. What have you got? Well, I've only got a little... a little nut. That's all God wants. He wants you to be you, not to be someone else. Don't focus on what you haven't got. Don't focus on what you can't do. Because God isn't asking what you can't do. God isn't asking what you haven't got. He says, what have you got? We don't know anything else about this little boy, except for one moment of history, he was the most important person in the world. Because God got that little boy to give some loaves and some fishes. Little rolls. That's all he did. And at that moment, he was the most important person in all of history, because at that moment, he was ministering to 5,000 people. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not sure I'd be able to minister to 5,000 people. I think I'd be a bit nervous. But one little boy, just with bread and fishes, that's what he did. What have you got? One of the greatest men I have ever known was a man called Ken. Ken was a charismatic he was far to the other extreme. People called him Dower. Ken really jumped up and down. I once saw him, and he was doing this. I said, what are you doing? He said, my wife told me I've got to be more enthusiastic. <laughs> Ken was not a fire-breathing preacher. Ken was not a great singer. If you ever sat next to Ken when he sang, you needed to stop yourself from laughing because Ken found a note and when he found that note he stayed with it. That note never changed. 
Ken helped people. Ken fixed things. And many people today are in the kingdom of God because Ken went round and fixed their boiler. Or Ken went round and cleaned their garden. Or when their toilets got blocked, Ken would be the one that was sorted out. Our church, we saw many, many miracles. We saw great revival in our church because of Ken. Because of the ministry Ken had with what he had in his hands. I remember once, one of my children was ill. Sunday night, Ken knocked at the door. What are you doing? He said, you preach, I will look after your little boy. Fantastic ministry. Without Ken's faithful friendship and love, we wouldn't have seen all that God did. What gave John a home? What have you got in your hand? Do you look at everything and say, is that what we see on telly? Do we see the preachers and the musicians and so on? Because you don't see the people. You do the cleaning. You don't see the people who put the chairs out. We, we preached recently at Shoreham at our church that it says in Acts that when the revival was going, some of the widows weren't being fed. And the apostle said, should we stop the revival to feed the widows? No. And they found men of God filled with the Holy Spirit and they appointed them, anointed them to feed the widows. So that the apostles can continue the revival and Acts said even priests were getting born again. Why? Because they found men who had a ministry to feed widows. What have you got in your hands? Are you willing to give to God your giftings and talents? See, most Christians fall between one of two errors. Either they will say, I am not good enough. Ever heard a Christian say that? Oh, we need help. Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Or they'll say, I am not able to do whatever. And most Christians fall in one of those two brackets. This boy wasn't important, he wasn't regarded, yet 5,000 got fed. Yeah, but if I could preach, then I could do something for God. Or if I could sing, I could do something for God. Or if I can, no, how about doing what you can do, feed widows. Harry Wyatt was a butcher in Norfolk. I don't think any of you will have heard of Harry Wyatt. And that's miraculously this is being transmitted to a household in Norfolk. He was a, a, a butcher of a little shop in Norfolk, butcher's shop. And he preached. He wasn't a preacher. He sang and he made a good noise. He and I sometimes would go across ten minutes before the shop closed and we'd go into the chapel opposite and one would play the organ and one would sing. The singing wasn't beautiful to anyone except God, let me tell you. Harry was not a singer. Harry was not a preacher. And yet, on his funeral, there were about a hundred gypsies who came to Harry's funeral. Why? Because on the Saturday after we shut the shop, Harry would go back into the fridge, and all the meat that maybe wouldn't be quite good enough till Tuesday, he would put it in the van, and he'd go to the gypsies and give it away. And he would give it away, and he would talk to them, chat to them, 
Over a hundred Christians turned up at his, fu- his funeral because Harry gave away some meat. Not because of his preaching or his singing, but because he gave away some meat. What have you got in your hand? Are you willing to use that for God? We used to have a sound engineer in our church. And he told me, I don't preach, I don't sing, but I'll make sure your sound is right. And every Sunday he was there early, and all the cables were laid out, and the microphones, and the musical instruments, he would set everything up wonderful. And he would always clear up afterwards. He would often be the last one to leave the building. And if we did a concert, he would get there early and set everything up, and we'd perform this concert, and everyone would say, what a great concert. Nobody saw Steve. He kept, nothing would have happened without him. And sometimes I would help him out. I'd try and coil up the cable or something. And he'd say, excuse me, I don't try and preach. Don't mess with my cables. That's my job. Many people came to Jesus and were blessed without ever realising what Steve had done. People come to a concert and they hear great music and they hear the words because Steve had prepared it properly. He was one of my heroes. Yet when I first met him, he had long, long black hair. He had a ponytail that looked like a rope. He had a greasy leather jacket. But he was a man who had something in his hand and he used it for God. Which really brings us to the point is, do you realise how important you are to God. That little boy was crucial. If that little boy had not been there, 5,000 people would have gone hungry in forced fasting. Do you realise how many times, almost without knowing it, you being somewhere has impacted the kingdom of God. Do you realise when you speak to a neighbour or a friend and you just have a word and you think, well, that's not important, do you realise like that little boy, you have made an impact on eternity? The the time you help someone in the shop, the time you, you do something so small in your eyes, yet so important in God's life. And we have to learn that we, as a global church, every individual Christian is crucial to the kingdom of God. If any of you want an easy ride, you're in the wrong place because there are no passengers in team God. Every person has a critical role. Now, you may not know, see this at home, but if you can see my hand, my little fingers are very small. And my little fingernails are incredibly small. Comically small. Now, that little fingernail may mean nothing to you, but I tell you what, if you took that fingernail off, my finger would hurt. And if that little tiny bit of fingernail wasn't on my little finger, every time anyone touched it, I'd be going, ouch. That little fingernail will not get mentioned when I die. That little fingernail may not be talked about. But I tell you this, that little fingernail is crucial to me. (laughs) How many of us belittle ourselves 
put ourselves down, say that we have no value, no importance, that we're not as good as, we're not as useful as, we're not as clever as, instead of saying, this is what I've got. God didn't call you to be someone else. Somehow we have to get this into our minds. I can't be Billy Graham. I don't want to be Billy Graham because he's dead. I'd rather not forget if that's alright. I can't be Billy Graham. I can be Peter Earl. Bit dark. Bit wacky. But I'm me. John can be John. Alan can be Alan. Dee will be different. And I. <laughs> we're all going to be different because we were made different, but together we make the kaleidoscope of church. But we have to walk around saying, I am valuable and important because I am the child of the King. And that is the, the important thing is to learn what I have got. Stop robbing yourself in the church because of things you say you can't do. Don't be little when God asks you to do something small. Don't say, I can't. How about we start learning to say, here I am God, use me. And God says, okay, would you make us a cup of tea? Yeah, okay. Would you go and visit that old lady who's been locked in her home for four months with pandemic and just look through the window and say, you okay? Yeah, that's not important, is it? Yeah, it is. Would you make a sandwich for that family who have nothing? Is that important? Yeah. The other day we had a lady come to our church at Shoreham. We have a food bank there uh, Tuesday and Friday mornings and she came in the afternoon desperate for food. And I sort of said, well, the food bank's not open. And she looked at me and she said, but I'm desperate. So um, I was a little bit naughty. I went and rummaged around and got some of the food bank food. And I gave her a couple of bags of food. Do you know, it wasn't much, was it? She had her son with her. And he tried to kiss my hand. He was that grateful. Please, thank you, thank you, thank you. All I've done is given you a bag of food. Yeah, but at that moment, for that person, that was the most important thing in their life. What did God say? Whatever you do to the least of these, you're doing it to me. And at that moment, that lady, what have you got in your hand? I'm sorry, I've just got some tins of food and some pasta. God says, let's use that. That lady went away laughing because I had something in my hand. See, as we come to a close, I want us to take a minute and stop trying to be what we're not. And 
despite being who we are. My dad could sing. My dad sang at the Albert Hall. You know the hymn, How Great Thou Art? My dad sang that at the Albert Hall. He, he could sing. I can't sing like my dad. My voice never broke when I was young. It just cracked a bit around the edges. So I'm not going to be a singer. And I'm not that theologically clever. I'm not David Pawson, and I don't think I ever will be. I don't think my brain works like that. So I could sit down and say, well, I'm not really any good to God because I can't be as good as this one or I can't be as good as that one. Or I say, here I am. And so the challenge to you at home, the challenge to people here at Barney or at Shoreham, is what have you got to offer the kingdom of God today? You were saved, you were born again for such a time as this. You were not an accident, you were not a byproduct, you were not an afterthought. Before the beginning of time, Jesus thought you were worth dying for. Jesus died because you were valuable and because you were precious, and Jesus said, I want you in my team. Do you remember when you were at school? and used to pick up teams to play a game. Remember that? And there was always the one that nobody wanted. And, and both teams would try and give that person to the others. I'll have him, you can have that one. Well, we don't really want that one. Well, someone's got to have him. That didn't happen in the Kingdom of God. Jesus said, I want you. I want you, I want you, I want you in my team because you've got something that nobody else can offer. So stop beating yourself up and telling yourself all the things you can't do. Stop telling yourself all the things you failed God and you let him down. Stop beating yourself up about all the ways you can't. And start listening to God and do what you can do because that's what you were made for. That's what's in your hand. Use that and honour God. Let's just close it out.